remember someone once said to me, when I moved to London, you'll never get anywhere with that accent. I work harder than I've ever worked in my whole entire life. We grew to about eight or nine. We moved into central London. We always had this side hustle of PR dispatch. We'd lost like 90% of our revenue overnight. I mean, the day LFA did actually close, that was 10 years of my life. It's not failure. It's all stepping stones. So they took me to court for non-performance of contract. I think because I was having a baby and because it was such a vicious attack, I took it really personally which kind of nicks friends started to like have kids and I was proactively avoiding them because I just could not visualize how that was going to work with what I do. I've absolutely not lost my drive. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Starting the Conversation. I am your host, Alice Benham, here with my lovely guest, Rosie Davis-Smith. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. So nice to have you. I know. What I mean, this is not our first time chatting today. We've, we've had the whole afternoon together. <laughs> I'm impressed that you're still willing to sit and hang out. Like, I mean, yeah, this yeah. is a marathon. I'm ready for dinner now. <laughs> I know. So we had, for context for people listening, we did a client session this afternoon, yeah. which I was saying to one of my friends this morning, I was like, oh, I'm doing a client session with Rosie. And they're like, who's the client? And it, like, my brain couldn't compute. I was like, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> which way around is it? And I was like, <laughs> so the only way I could explain it, I was like, she's paying money. Yeah. That, it, it was really yeah. nice that I was, I'm never the client. It was really nice. It's nice to be on that it's side, really isn't it? Nice. You just get to relax. I was so chill. You're like, go on, take it away. I'm going to do it more often. Perform. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've had a lovely afternoon. Yeah, Many a post-it note, lots of big picture stuff. And now we're here recording the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, we skipped dinner because we chatted too right. much. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think bodes well for being on a podcast because yeah. now we can chat. Yes. Love it. Do you want to give people a little bit of context? I am Rosie. I am the founder of PR Dispatch. Um, we have been around since 2017. We help small product-based businesses to do their own PR from £54 a month. Previously to that, I had a PR agency, LFA, which I know we're going to talk about, which was around since 2013 and closed its doors earlier this year. Mm. After many happy years. Um, so now I'm just juggling the one business. I love it. I mean, it's still enough, really. One it's business, enough. I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's enough. It's enough. <laughs> and as we'll get into for you, it's a business and two children. Yes. Which, I mean, I talk about my business like, oh, you know, they're my babies, which I know is a full insult to parents because it's like, well, you know, a business stops at 6 p.m. Kids <laughs> kids don't stop. Does it though? Yeah, <laughs> like, true. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. At least you can shut a laptop and put it yeah, away. Yeah. You can't put a kid in a room and, and leave it. No. I mean, you can, but you'll be arrested. Yeah, you will. You will. It's, not, it's probably not wise. Yes. And two. So yes, two little, two little, two little ones. Tiny humans. Two very tiny little humans. Uh, so yeah, it keeps me on my... Isn't it weird? Like kids are just like tiny. Like we were tiny humans once. I can't believe I it. I just like, I, in my head, all adults have always been adults. Yeah. And kids, st like, I can't really compute life. Like I, <laughs> they go from being tiny to an adult. I, the, I, the, the eldest one's too. Like she's, she's like a little human now. I just can't. Uh, like, how were you? How were you this big? And now, now you're. Well, she's not talking. She's quite speech speech delayed. But she's getting there, and she's like got feelings and emotions. And I'm like, oh, it's a lot. <laughs> you were nicer when you were just kind of yeah, like you were so quiet when you were little. And I'm really emotional. Yeah. Um. But yeah, two little two little people to keep growing into big humans. I guess. Yeah, it's impressive. So we'll get onto the the juggle, yeah. as I feel like so many people call it later yes. on in the episode. 
You mentioned there, obviously PR Dispatch isn't the first business that you've run. You had LFA, which was your PR agency, which I didn't realize, you told me this on the way here, you started that when you were 22. Yeah, very young. Fellow Um, young young business owner. Fellow young business owner, yeah. Naive and not really knowing kind of what I was... (laughs) what I was doing but yeah so that was around for 10 years before it before it closed I feel like that is a real superpower of starting a business uh, young absolutely you're just so naive I've yeah I, I thought I could do anything at that, that yeah. age I yeah I think it works I think I do think it works in your favor maybe not having like experience of other things like I never had experience of like having a salary or a steady income mm-hmm. so I didn't have anything to lose yes. I guess you were the same yeah it's like optimism is high yeah expectations are low yeah which I think is the perfect storm in business because yeah. you've got to have so much hope and optimism because you're basically believing you can do something that you have no evidence to say you can do yeah slightly crazy concept running a business really and in terms of expectations like you said you've not got Salary expectations, you also don't really know what you're capable of. Yeah. So there's, I at least found there wasn't a lot of imposter syndrome because I was like, well, I don't know what I can do. So all of this feels like a win, really. Exactly. Which I feel like is the opposite to the way people look at it. And they think, oh, you started young. God, you must have felt so insecure and, and like you didn't know what you were doing. Whereas I actually think I felt more secure in myself then because I was just really ballsy. Yeah, I, I was as well. I thought I could, I literally thought I could do... <laughs> anything I probably couldn't but I was and you've got more energy you're Mm. like I feel like the get up and go I was so passionate and not that I'm not passionate now but I am but I just there was no obstacles yeah I felt like you know I could take over not take over an industry but make a difference in an industry that people said to me was quite outdated maybe you know hard to understand they they were paying for PR and not getting the results they wanted. And I thought, I can make a difference here. I didn't have an experience to do that. But I thought, this is an industry that needs changing. And youth was on my side. <laughs> there you go. What do you think really helped you in the early days to get that agency established? Because I think it can be easy to look at established businesses. And, you know, you got LFA to a point of high turnover, full-time team members. You know, what many would see as the end definition of success. But obviously, it didn't start like that at 22. No. Um great clients at the start. I actually started, and we've actually talked about Bronwyn today, she was my first ever client. But before that, I actually started as her, her intern and I had no PR experience. And she actually stuck a pile of magazines in front of me and said, I want you to pitch our product into every single one of these magazines. I thought, this is amazing. I thought, I can't believe this is how people get in magazines. I was a textile designer. I wasn't like a natural kind of pitching person. I wasn't definitely wasn't a natural PR person. But I just thought it was amazing that this is how brands built awareness and so kind of when she got me going with that I thought god I can do this for more businesses that a PR doesn't have to be difficult or expensive mm-hmm. I can do this for more businesses so actually that's how I first started and then in the first few years having great clients meant I gained great clients yeah. so people saw me working with Lowy um Bronwyn's brand the knitwear brand and they were like oh that's a really good brand like I wonder who else she represents and I think that that started people wanting to work with me I think also being quite open and honest because I wasn't a natural PR person I was northern I remember someone once said to me when I moved to London I was 20 or 21 you'll never get anywhere with that accent I remember thinking wow <laughs> watch prove you wrong and actually when I first fell into PR I was like well I have to I have to speak properly because if I don't no one's going to take me seriously and I remember once I did call up a magazine actually to be fair the press are absolutely lovely disclaimer they are really lovely but someone did say to me I can't understand a word you're saying and I was like oh, oh god it's 
you can't understand me. Actually being Northern actually played in my favor, like being friendly, being down to earth, not being like every other kind of what, what was perceived as PR at that time really, really helped. And then actually to get the agency off the ground very quickly, we started to gain like recognition, press articles, awards. Awards were a big thing in the early days. Um, we won quite a few awards. And this is, we're talking like 2013 here, like there wasn't as many like startups or small businesses mm. there are now, which is probably why we won the awards because the competition <laughs> wasn't that big. Look, an award is an award. An award. We haven't been shortlisted for them again since. It's like Startup 100 and stuff like that. Stuff that's like, it's so out of like my reach now, but at the time we were we were included and it made a big difference to how people perceived us. So mm. that's, I think, gave us the, the initial like. And I love that you said that, you know, have great clients gets you better clients but I guess then the question people would ask is well how do I get great clients if I'm sat there with no clients very early days like how did you get I know obviously you got your first client by being an intern what did you know the second third fourth client look like I worked harder than I've ever worked in my whole entire life I probably wasn't based on like what we were charging them a month, I probably wasn't making any money, which sounds like ridiculous business sense. And if someone said that to me today, I'd be like, why? But to get those initial people and with PR results aren't guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So to get those initial people on our books and then drive the results that kept them, I had to work really, really, really hard to keep them. So I guess that would be a good piece of advice I think also I mean actually <laughs> looking back at some of our early branding which I'm going to do a post about at some point based on your post about your initial photography <laughs> which cracks me up when I was like dancing through fields the of fields <laughs> also my other favorite one is me in the phone booth I remember the photographer at the time being like get a picture in the phone booth because we can use it to like promote you being on call because at the time I was like genius and looking back I'm like was I thinking people would expect that I was doing client calls in a phone booth in the middle of Windsor because I don't think that kind of works we've literally got all the same our first ever imagery it's like a pile of magazines and then a cactus next to it yeah. and then like some paper clips I'm like none of this relates together or like my favourite ones are working from places that you would never work from everyone sat on benches in parks I'm like, no one is sat with their laptop on the no, bench. No, Why? Like, no come one on. is doing that. Or you go on holiday and you snap a photo of like you in New York and By you're the like, pool. I'm a jet setter. <laughs> yes. Or like working on the plane. Like, <laughs> right, right. But you've got to start somewhere. You've right? got to start somewhere. And I was the worst for all that awful imagery at the start honestly I dig it out at some point I put it on Instagram because at first we were, before we called LFA we called the London Fashion Agency and my first ever logo which I designed had a, the O had a tube sign in oh it was so awful it was interesting so awful and it was like the London can you imagine how long this this yeah, logo was big logo. the London L London Fashion Agency <laughs> with a tube sign in the O so it was really awful at the start anyway once I got my act together a few years later and realized this is actually awful get your pull your finger out come on get some good imagery that actually made a massive difference because people would come to the website and think oh they look really professional like our copy was really snappy our imagery was really good the team looked really professional that made a massive difference considering the size that we were yeah completely I love that so just being good at what you did being friendly, working bloody hard. I think that's great. Yeah, all and having advice. having having all right branding. Yeah, <laughs> it's good enough, right? Let's celebrate the good enough. It gets you, gets you to a stage. <laughs> yeah, and then you get to upgrade it and then one day it's good content because you can laugh at it. Exactly, back. and Perfect. I can't wait to do that. <laughs> so to then fast forward a few years, yeah. I mean, I guess give people a lot of context on where you built the agency to. What are we talking in terms of team, size? So I think the biggest we ever were was probably about uh, eight or nine. 
Um, so we weren't massive. That was big enough for me. I, I'm a, I love running a micro business. It makes me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> having a small team because <laughs> it is only me um, kind of founder wise. So yeah, we grew to about eight or nine. We moved into central London, which is always nice. So this was about probably 2017, 2018. I also was like, this is great. Obviously revenue every month on a retainer is lovely. We've got really nice clients. Like we, we were like, we, people wanted to work with us, which was really, really nice. We turned down people that we didn't think were right. It was a nice position to be in. But I was like, it would be nice to have another revenue stream. And we kept getting requests from brands that had amazing products. But then when I gave them a retainer price of, I don't know, grand and a half to a grand a month, which was low for PR, that's yeah. low for PR. They were like, could never afford that or can't afford it long term. And I just thought, why don't we create a solution that basically we filter all our knowledge and information into a platform and we charge people to access it. So this was 2017. So I was like, right, I'm just going to build some really rubbish platform and see if people sign up. We'll send it out to our mailing list and see if people sign up. Mm. And on the first day we signed, like sent it out, we had, a, we had like 10, 15 signups. Um, at that point, it was only 20 quid a month. And they'd receive, <laughs> they'd receive an email with three press contacts. Amazing. A few weeks later, someone got some coverage and I thought, right, this is great. So we always had like this side hustle. I started a new limited company and we always had this side hustle of PR Dispatch um, alongside LFA. Mm -hmm. And so LFA was the main business. And then PR Dispatch, we'd feed some information into a login. Yeah. We had, a, you know, a few members. They do it like they're on their own. And that was kind of a side hustle until COVID. Let's talk about COVID. I mean, no one wants to talk about COVID, right? I feel like we're just about getting to we're the point We're just about getting through it, aren't we're we? We're kind of over it. But obviously COVID for you was a really significant point in your business. And I know, especially at the start of COVID, and I'm sure as well throughout, a really challenging time. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about, you know, March 2020? What were <laughs> those early days like? Well, apart from the fact I had a three-week-old baby. so Apart from that fact. Apart from that. So my daughter was born on the 15th of Feb. Uh, my first daughter, I had back-to-back -back done, because everyone think we're still in person then, I back-to-back -back done in-person workshops in Birmingham, all over London. I was absolutely knackered by the time I got gave birth. I think between January and Feb, I'd done about 15 in-person like workshops. I thought it was never gonna work again. I was wow. like, I'm, I'm having a baby, that's it. I'm just gonna- <laughs> Retiring. I'm just gonna front load everything. Left the biggest handover for the team. Everyone was prepped. And then obviously March lockdown. Um, so you literally had like two and a, half, a bit weeks. The people that we'd worked with for years, Loey, who I'd worked with for 10 years, for example, we started to get emails and we had about 15 clients on retainer at the time at LFA and we started to get emails. I'm really sorry, I'm gonna have to cancel my contract. I'm gonna have to cancel my contract. And there was one night where we got about eight in one night and I was just, I was like this, I don't know what to do. I had a team of one person for PR dispatch and a team of maybe six for, LFA. I thought this is this is awful, and it was cancellation after cancellation. And in the end, we were only left with three. Two of them halved their retainer. One of them was a really good friend of mine, which was the only reason he stayed because he felt sorry for me. Two and so two of them halved their retainer, and one of them had only been with us a month. And I was convinced they were going to leave, but anyway, they didn't. They were our very last client till the very end. We'd lost like ninety percent of our revenue overnight, and I just was like, oh gosh. And then PR dispatch, it just. I did not expect it. PR dispatch just exploded. It was like the the months of March and April were our biggest signups ever. Mm -hmm. uh, it was insane. At the time, we had a lovely girl, Kate, doing like sales and tours for us. And she was back to back every single day 
tours, 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 getting people onto the platform, like the, the, the amount of press that people were churning. So I tried, attempted, because the team had never worked on PR Dispatch. I just had a baby, we were all in lockdown. So I do videos at night when Sloan was up feeding like talking to Zoom, recording how the platform worked, what to do, what everyone's roles were going to be. Yeah. If you do a bit of social, and <laughs> you keep the platform up to date and um, managed to pivot most people over. How quickly did you make that decision of, right, we've lost, like you said, 95% of revenue, we need to change tab? Overnight. The next morning when I woke up and we'd lost 90% of revenue, I was like, we have to. I have to, so the first thing, this was before furlough, I was like, I have to make people redundant because I, I we can't keep this amount of team. So unfortunately, that was the first thing we had to do. And then the second thing I was like, right, and if I'm going to keep some of the core team, what are their roles and responsibilities going to be? And how confident, if at all, were you that that new plan was going to work? That PR Dispatch could replace what LFA Oh, was? I never thought it could replace LFA. In that, in that moment, in that March, I was like, it's all right because we're going to be through this in three weeks. Yes, you remember. <laughs> this is all going to be over in three weeks. Just a quick break. It's just guys. a quick, everyone's just staying indoors. Yeah, April. Yeah, we'll back at April. It. <laughs> we'll be back in the pubs. And I honestly thought it's only going to be three weeks. Yeah, and then we all did. We'll pick up new business. So actually, like, although I was pivoting people over, I was re-strategizing LFA as well. And at the time I was reading a book, I was reading Oversubscribed by Daniel Priestley. Fantastic book if anyone's not read it. Um, and talks about like, you know, being oversubscribed. And I was like, right, we're only gonna have six clients at LFA, we're only gonna have six clients. So we like put on the website, we only work with six brands exclusively, you know, that's enough revenue to like keep us ticking along. Obviously we didn't get any new business requests for months because we were still in lockdown. And I think by the summer, maybe by the end of the summer, PR Dispatch was doing so well it is surpassed LFA I was just like what am I doing this is like this is obviously the business that is going I think also I just had a baby I also just found out I was pregnant again I had them quite close together not planned but it happened running a subscription business is much easier than running an agency business maybe this is my sign I'd been thinking about it for a few years maybe this is my sign that I should run with PR Dispatch and leave LFA behind saying that we didn't close it until January 2022 so this January this year, we had one client left for ages, which was lovely. I feel like that's such a great story to kind of demonstrate the power of actually just following where the interest is and almost, yeah. I guess, not trying to force our businesses to go in a direction that just isn't a right fit. Yeah. Like PR Dispatch came from a place of just like, okay, some people seem to have a need for accessible support with PR. Yeah, I guess we'll just kind of give you something just to keep you happy, something yeah. on the side. And actually you would have never known at that point that that would lead to what it is today. But who knows where you'd be. You'd probably have no business if you hadn't have just followed that bit of energy. I'd have, I'd have absolutely nothing. I'd, mm. I would have lost all of our business. I wouldn't have a team anymore. I don't know what I'd be doing if I hadn't started PR Dispatch. I'm glad. And it, you're right. It's like it's like an inkling. It's like a gut feeling. And I think something starting a business young teaches you, even though you are naive, is to follow your gut. Yeah. And I always, always, always followed my gut. And I, like, I still do. I, th I think it's innate now that if I feel like some I should do something, I'll do it. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. But sometimes it will be the savior. And it mm -hmm. absolutely was. Just to have that little side hustle of built up, you know, a database of people that we could email, like have created its own PR, its own workshops. It had its own presence. We just hadn't utilized it. And then when we did, it kind of went mm. for it, which was great. And I can imagine a big part of that year 2020 was maybe putting on a front is the wrong phrase, but almost like you showing up 
even when you maybe didn't feel like it. Because yeah. I, I can't even imagine that. You've got a brand new baby. You've just found out you're pregnant again. First of all, we're in a pandemic. Like that's enough stress. <laughs> and it's not just you. I think that's the thing to emphasize that like, you've got team. So yeah. I can imagine there was a lot of like, almost not showing face, but you've got to bring it for them. I had to pull something out the bag. And I, I don't think I was ever scared because I always believe like you learn from every failure. If we had a fails and it would have all folded, yes, obviously we would have been left with nothing, but it was all for a reason and you learned something. But like I had people's jobs on the line. Like I couldn't just not get out of bed. I, I've had to very quickly like figure out what we were going to do about childcare as soon as like the world opened up again. Like I got back into the office with the team, even though it didn't necessarily feel like it some days, just to like show up for them because it was important that they had some direction. And mm. I think if I gave them anything over that time, hopefully it was just a little bit of direction rather than just my tears. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't crying every day, I have to tell you. It was quite exciting. I felt quite, I felt quite empowered. I was like, mm. I could do this with a baby and yeah, I've got this. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Until the second came along. <laughs> yeah, and then a whole nother yeah, thing. But how interesting, I mean, you entered lockdown with pretty much like pregnant and you yeah. came out with it with two babies and a totally new business. Yeah, basically. What a big time for like a tra- tra- just like stars in their eyes going in as one thing coming out of another. I know. Oh, well, and I relocated across the country. So from moved, London to Devon. Yeah, we've completely moved. Who am I? I know. <laughs> Are you okay? I don't think I'm okay. <laughs> None of us are okay. It's absolutely fine. In terms of making the decision to step back from LFA, yeah. I feel like that decision, so many of us can relate, whether it's just stopping a certain element of your business or even thinking about stopping your business at all, there can be so many emotions involved in it. I think we were talking about this earlier of we have this weird, just subconscious idea that you have to run a business forever which is so odd because in careers like it's normal to change your career every three years yeah but if you quit your business for some reason that's a bad thing it's failure or there's guilt or shame in it how did you feel about that decision do you know what by that point I didn't care what other people thought which I think is I think that's something that's come over time like when I was much younger I really cared like I wanted to I had something to prove Mm. like if you'd have asked anyone in school who will start a business no what not one person in my ear would have said me because I was like dyslexic kid that didn't pay attention and I felt like I had something to prove so I think stop closing it earlier would I would have seen it like failure but actually what I did learn from it is you've got to do what makes you happy and at that point my life had changed I didn't have the energy to do what LFA did like I had I hadn't loved lost the love a little bit but I wanted like a new exciting challenge I just didn't realize that I'd already started it through PR dispatch and yeah I mean, the day LFA did actually close and like we, we did dissolve the company, I was like, wow, that was 10 years of my life. That's that's mad and now it's gone. But actually, it's okay because that happened and that led me to this and maybe this will lead me to something else. It's not failure. It's like, it's all stepping stones, isn't it? So yeah, I think... Yeah, don't I think I think I cared too much what other people thought and actually now I just don't care. So spot on. I think so many decisions can come from a place of ego, but we don't want to admit it. Yeah. So when you really dig deep, like actually what do you want? Like yeah. if no one else knew, no one was watching. And I think when you are like when you're a an entrepreneur or a business owner or a founder, like you exist well, you don't exist. You your social media kind of is there to say 
look what we did or da la la because you have to do that because yeah. you have to promote yourself and then it's hard to then talk about you know if you don't want to do it anymore or you mm. kind of you change direction I think that's I think that's a really hard thing to do and I really I really I really appreciate people that do do it and they're like you know yeah. what I don't want to do this job anymore or I don't want to run this business anymore so I'm going to pivot yeah it's a brave decision but yeah. it's, it's always going to be the best one oh, like I genuinely have a belief like if something ends even like a relationship like you know, I'd be sad if my relationship ended. But deep down, I'd know it's the right thing yeah. in terms of being happy. And I think especially with business, if you're not loving it, nothing is going to feel right because yeah. you're not going to bring your best. And then as a result, you know, team, clients, everything exactly. goes off. When we were chatting about this earlier, you alluded to some legal issues yes. in the final days of LFA. Before lockdown, but so 2019, we had a client and they didn't perform their half of our contract. Right. We need things to do PR. Um, so I ended the contract, which sparked a legal battle. So they uh, took me to court for non-performance of contract. It very quickly kind of evolved that they did this with quite a few people. They're not a well-known brand or anything. I was in the legal battle from 2020, from February 2020 until kind of just before we closed our doors. So it ended on, it ended in September, 2021. They hadn't been heard from for a year, but because we were already in a court case, we had to proceed. Mm -hmm. um, so my solicitors heard nothing for a year. So actually uh, it got to the court day and it all got called off because they overturned the case and we won. But my learning from that is, and can I just say I, anything with legal, I was so upset by the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I probably cry, <laughs> I'm all right. I think because I was having a baby and because it was such a vicious attack, yeah, I took it really personally, which I shouldn't have, but it was such a vicious attack. It's and we so had, hard not to though. I was like, we have performed the contract and I, the, the, do you know what? The only savior, and I, it was, for me, it was a principal thing. We had performed our contract. They did not deserve their money back. And it was a principal thing. And I contacted my insurance and I said, um, am I covered for this? Can I just say to everyone now, if you have a business, go and get legal expenses. Mm -hmm. It was the best thing in the world. Um, we racked up big bills of legal expenses, even though we didn't hear from the other party. Their solicitors dropped them. We didn't hear from them for a year. But we both both sides racked up, racked up big bills and I was covered for the whole thing. If I'd have gone through this now, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd have the same kind of, um, kind of get up and go to defend myself. But at that time I was like, no, you are in the wrong. And I knew that we were in the right. And I knew that we performed the contract, mm. but legal expenses saved me. But I think it, I'm still having therapy for it. <laughs> that and the birth and kind of running a business and all of lockdown. But yeah, I think it just took a massive toll on everything, like everything mm. that was going on. It was just another thing on the case, but I couldn't, I couldn't close the business. I could not close the business because we were in a, although they'd disappeared off the face of the earth and nearly closed their company. Yeah. Like, we, we couldn't get out. We can't, you can't close a business while you're mm -hmm. in a legal case. So it, LFA had to carry on with our one client. Wow. <laughs> and like you said, when people are coming after your values and your intentions, I mean, that for me is always the trigger point. Like you can insult, I don't know, like when I was getting trolled, it was always like, if you, if you insult the way I look, if you insult whatever I do, like I don't care. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't bother me, you know, brush it off. If you try and tell me that I don't have the values that I have yeah. or that I don't care, like now we've got a problem. Yeah. Because those, I mean, the, what is your business? It's it's your purpose. It's They're your, so integral. Your values. They, it was like the, the one thing that we always 
promised we will always perform to the best of our ability. And that mm. is and that is even now. Like that's the one thing I've always stuck with. We always perform to the best of our ability. And for someone to come after me like that, I was I was like, but we did. Yeah. <laughs> we did. Um, so it wasn't the most enjoyable. Legal expenses, I'll say it again. <laughs> it's honestly mm. saved me. It's the kind of thing you think, oh, God, it's never going to happen to me. Or, you know, it's like getting any kind of insurance. If you don't need it, you just think, oh. I don't and it's an add-on. It is an add-on to your business ex- insurance. It, like, it's that little thing that, like, they're like, and do you want legal expenses? Absolutely, yes. Yes, you do. For the £10 it costs you a month, 100% mm. you do. Because when someone comes after you, illegitimately or legitimately, you know, you need that cover. Yeah. Um, yeah best 10 pound i ever spent <laughs> and was it hard as well because i'm guessing you weren't able to talk about it no there's a level of secrecy that has to be kept there so you're first of all not only dealing with all the other things we just talked about over that time period two babies business transition everything pandemic you've also got this massive thing going on but you can't really share it couldn't really talk about it and because i had, had i literally gave birth and was receiving emails which was still going on when I gave birth the second time so both births are really kind of my time like the hours after and the day after in hospital it's really tainted by me sitting on my laptop trying to deal with all this stuff that was going on it was really it was really horrible and um yeah I couldn't hand it over to someone else because I don't have a co-founder luckily at the time my husband he's still my husband sorry not my husband at the time (laughs) at the time my husband my previous husband my previous husband he's still my husband um was a non-exec of LFA um so he was able to speak to the insurance company but even like that like the insurance take takes a few weeks to kick in they have to assess the case and see if you've got more than 50 percent chance of winning and if you do then they'll take on the case but that time those four weeks would like would covid's just started i've just given birth it was it was a hell i honestly thought i just could not sleep at night it was awful mm. and yeah i wouldn't wish it on anyone when you're not kind of you're in that situation and you just it's just so uncertain oh, gosh you know. And I just know, alongside all of the listeners, like, I always just want to say, it's like, you're incredible. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I just, I cannot imagine all of those things happening at once. You know, maybe there's something in it of like somehow when like everything's bad at once, it almost becomes a tiny bit easier because it's like, well, it's all just shit. (laughs) Whatever. It's all just gone down the drain. Um, Do you almost now have a perspective of like, we can do anything because we got through that season? So that's really interesting because actually, I don't know if now I have the opposite. I look back on that, and this is and openly how I'm having EDR, EMDR, EMDR therapy, which is like rapid, rapid eye movement therapy. First of all, what's that? So they basically, I haven't, I've had two sessions so far. So you basically like blink, blink. I'm not very good at right. For anyone that's listening to this, I've just described it. So you're just blinking, and it, and then you think about. So the, the therapist makes you think about a time that was like, um, like overwhelming or traumatic, right. and then you you kind of put that memory in a box and put it to the back of your mind. Oh, interesting. So that whole period from like um, my firstborn's birth, the, the court case, losing the business, um, and then the second birth, and again being in lockdown and being alone and trying to deal with two kids and a court case and two businesses and everything else that's going on. It all just, what, what what they say is, if there's so much overwhelm, you just stuff it in a back cupboard. I'm not a therapist, by the way. I'm just reiterating yeah, what yeah, she said. Yeah, your experience. So you, stuck, you stick it in a back cupboard in your brain, and then any memory related to that just goes in that b- back cupboard as well. So it just, sure. it just causes overwhelm. And I've now actually, off the back of that, had insomnia for 18 months. 
So now I've started this new therapy that's hopefully going to clear that back cupboard mm. of like all of those things at that time. But then the question is, yeah, it would, do I think I'm capable of anything? Well, no, now I look back and I think, could I do that again? Oh, I don't know if I could, but I guess if it came to it, absolutely I could. Yes, because mm. I've done it once before, I could do again. I mean, it was an overwhelming time for everyone. It's just coming out the other side. Yeah, but it? Rosie, I don't think anyone else... <laughs> quite had that list of things you know the worst thing I had is oh it's just a bit annoying hanging out with my family all the time isn't it <laughs> don't I get to have a shower any point of the day but a bit busy in the bathroom isn't it <laughs> you know everyone's valid you know everyone is valid it, yeah, whatever challenges you face you can find that hard but yeah I think that's that's a, a tough hand to be dealt but how incredible to be on the other side of it yes dealing with it yeah, which yeah. Is, you know you're only a human for that but from what I've seen from working on your business this afternoon, <laughs> you know, in an incredible place. Yeah, and it's nice. It's nice to now look at the business now. And I, actually the session with you today and think, oh, actually, wow, we've come really far since March. This little this little side hustle. Like, yeah. we've actually come really far in, mm. what will it be, three years? That is great. And mm. now I'm, like, coming out the other side. I'm like, right, let's look forward to the future. What can we do? Come on. Game on. <laughs> let's start the next business. <laughs> Here she goes again. <laughs> Just a final question on that period. Was mm. it a real relief in Jan of this year when you dissolved the business? So Jasmine, who you met today, who worked for LFA and now works for PR Dispatch, she actually handled all of LFA solely up from kind of April 2020 until this point. I like did like the VAT return and stuff like that and checked mm. like invoices were going out, but she handled all the clients. So it wasn't like I was doing too much work. We'd had like a meeting about it every now and again, but she did an amazing job of handling the whole mm. thing. So actually like when I told the final client, you know, we're going to close our doors, it actually felt quite sad. But then I was like, no, this is, this is the end of an era. Yeah. And that happened and that was a great 10 years. And now the world has moved on and I'm not the right person to do that sort of business anymore. Mm. I, I'm the right person to do this business now. So yeah, although it was very emotional and then I put together this really emotional reel. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way to cope with your emotions, make with, a reel. Make a reel. Yeah. Like with some like really bad haircuts and hair decisions over the last <laughs> decade. And I was like, yeah, actually that was all great. And that made me feel really great and cry while yeah. I did it. But I was like, Right, let's have a glass of wine to that one and close oh. the door. And speaking of the next chapter. The next chapter. So you're obviously now running PR Dispatch. Yay! Woohoo! She's smashing it. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about PR right at the end just yeah. to give people some tips and share some of your wisdom. But one of the biggest things that people who listen to this podcast want to hear about is what it's like to run a business when you have kids and I'm gonna presume most of the people that say that are probably people with kids I'm interested but I wouldn't say you know it's not the burning top question as someone who doesn't have kids I probably want to avoid the topic because it scares me about what it will look like when I have kids but you know can't avoid it because I have to sit and ask you the question it's a big topic that I get asked to cover because I think it's something you don't see talked about a lot there's nothing to prepare you for it no you know like you can have a plant you can have <laughs> a dog a dog so you know stepping stones but Nothing quite, I'd imagine, prepares you for yeah. a real life baby. I guess we've covered a little bit of kind of the early days of, you know, when your first daughter was born and what that looked like. In terms of how you cope with it now, maybe let's start with some of the challenges. Like, how do you find it? Kids, business, juggling it all. Just before that, I was also one of those people that was absolutely terrified. 
of how it would work. I, I'd mm. put off the subject. I, I think, yeah, the whole thing absolutely terrified me. Well, I think that's a good place to begin, actually. You know, if you, as you were pregnant or planning your children or whatever that looked like, like, was it a bit of a avoid it? We'll just see what happens. I'd, like, how I'd did you prepare? I literally avoided it for years. And like all of kind of Nick's friends started to like have kids and I was at, proactively avoiding them. Um, <laughs> avoiding like birthdays, avoiding baby showers. I just didn't want to, I've just buried my head in the sand because mm. I just could not visualize how that was going to work with what I do. Not because I don't think I could make the juggle work, but because I love what I do so much. Yeah. And I think I'm naturally not a selfish person, but I, I, this makes me happy. Doing this makes me really happy. And yeah. I didn't really want to then not dedicate time to something else, but have this pulled away from me. Well, it's a reprioritization, isn't a it? A reprioritization. You can't deny. I think it's unrealistic, I would imagine, to expect that you can keep everything as it is yeah, when and, tiny humans come into the mix. And I wasn't ready to, I, I just, I'd never felt ready to do that. So it wasn't planned. And I always said, if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, then okay. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fine. Like, like fine. And I was really kind of driven when I was pregnant to like carry on doing what I was doing. And I gave a workshop at 38 weeks and went, had the baby five days later. And it was great. It was really empowering. Now, I think it completely depends on the child. So my first was really very, very easy. Like she sat in a bouncer while I kind of pivoted the business across. Um, my second a little bit more challenging. She had like some issues like reflux not bad issues but like reflux and stuff so it does make it more challenging I am very lucky that we have five day a week childcare so we moved as he said we moved to Devon during the pandemic we actually moved away from all our family and friends which might seem counterproductive <laughs> slightly I think I think for me again that all or nothing type of thing and being scared like my friendship group none of them really have kids so for me, my life was going to change in London. Mm. We loved the sea. So actually we like, let's relocate to South Devon. But what we did in doing that was lose all our support and not know anyone in the area. Luckily, we've made loads of great friends that will come around at the drop of the hat. We've got like a nanny down there two days a week and they go to nursery three days a week. It's cripplingly expensive. We're using a lot of our savings. My mum's putting a little bit towards nursery. I'm not going to pretend that I pay it all because it's impossible like it, it is impossible but the five day a week not only helps me with the business it helps me just to be me a little bit I just need some time just to like be a bit selfish so now we're doing a four day work week I can go on a walk on a Friday I can like I don't know go and like read a book quietly somewhere instead of just working mm -hmm. and then running to kids and then working so actually having that day yeah. a week is really, really important. The thing that really throws me off is when you make a plan and then they're ill. Kids happen. Kids happen, like they're sick mm. or nursery calls. N nursery called the other day, I was in the middle of a workshop for 300 people. <gasps> I just ignored the call. <laughs> I'm really sorry I can't answer that right now. <laughs> I hope they're fine. I hope they call Nick because I'm not here. Um, I was with one of my, um, I was with a podcast guest actually last week and they got a call during the recording from the nursery. Now, obviously they took it because you never know what they're going to say. And, I'm, you know, obviously the nurseries need to inform them. So the nursery is just like, oh, they hit their head. They're fine. Oh, yeah, I was like, okay. I tell them not Brilliant. to call me about that. <laughs> so put, put it on the app. Unless something is falling off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not interested. <laughs> unless, unless I need to pick them up. Don't call me. Yeah, um, yeah they, they're very good on nursery. They know like... Nick and I both work full time, mm. so they'll put it on the app if there's a bump, which is fantastic. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's the thing that really throws me off. I think I'm, I was always such like a, a great person at planning my time and like my time was mine and now my time is not mine. My time yes. is mine only when they don't need collecting from nursery or something happens or, you know, 
The other thing I found really good, and I'm here in London, is just getting away for a few days. And again, it's not for everyone, but it just gives me some sanity. Mm. Um, I, my husband and I have a really good balance. Like he's in London every other week, and I try and come like once a month. So just getting away, I say I have like this double life. <laughs> I can't no, meeting like not meeting you because we've known each other online for ages but like hanging out with you saying chatting a bit about like how you balance it and I feel like balance is the wrong word but how you juggle it it gives me so much hope I think I think it should I just see like my vision of having kids is like right work trip quote unquote I'm off yeah see ya (laughs) yeah Gonna go be really busy for a few days. Yeah, I think that I think and it makes me a better parent. Honestly, it mm. really, really does. Like, I'll come to London for a few days. Obviously, I'll go for some drinks, see some friends, do yeah. some work. I mean, to be completely honest, me and my husband and a few friends are off to Croatia for a week on Saturday without <laughs> the kids. I, it does, and we don't do this a lot. This is the first time we will have gone on holiday. But the grandparents are coming to stay. It's going to make me kind of a better parent I need that headspace I feel like now that they're kind of getting out of baby face so they're one and two just in case anyone's wondering how old they are they're 13 months apart so they're quite close together <laughs> um but now they're like both in toddler phase it's definitely not easier but it is starting to feel like you know you can go and do a bit more with them the like I still struggle to go to the supermarket with two of them. I don't know how people do it how do people have twins or three or four or single mothers I just absolute kudos Hands- Hands, hands down. Hands off. Hands down. Hands. hands yeah. H- hats off. Clapping. Hats off. <laughs> hats off. I was like, hands off. That's not. Yeah. Um, absolute kudos because it's that's really hard. And you know what? I love, and it shouldn't be something to praise, but the fact that even though your business now does a four day week, I feel like the assumption would be, oh, great. You're going to save on childcare one day a week. Well done, Rosie. Which is so right. Like you need that time for yourself. And, you know, I sit here, my time is completely my own. So I basically work as much as I want. And all my other time is either about resting. So I'm better at my job mm. or having fun. Yeah. But if you just transition constantly between either business or kids, like where's the recharge well exactly and I think that's something I didn't realize before having kids like how like it does take all your time and I'm, I have to keep saying I'm a selfish person I'm not a selfish person <laughs> but I like I like but I think you are selfish if you don't have kids because it, it's selfish isn't a bad thing it no just you can you do, do what, what you want to do and I loved that and I loved that I could just like get on a bike or go and do something and yeah it was great and we went to Italy for a wedding recently and that was the first time that we left them and I was like this is so I was like, we can literally just get on a scooter without thinking about prams. This is amazing. Like, I can use a tiny handbag and I don't need loads of shit in yes. it. It's incredible. So, yeah, that is, that is a bit of a shock. But I think for anyone listening who does did or does have the fear or thinks they might have the fear, I think it is, it is very possible. I think, you know, everyone thinks you're going to lose yourself. Like my 15 workshops before I gave birth. I've absolutely not lost my drive. My time is reduced. Mm. I work more efficiently, but I'm still the same person that I was before. I still do the same things I do. I love to go out. I love mm. to go for dinner. I love to see my friends. Like I love to come to London. Um, I'm still, well, I don't know if I'm still good at running a business, but I'd like to think I'm still good I at running a business. I think you're doing a pretty good job. Thanks. You smashed. Um, so... Yeah, I haven't, what I thought would be taken away from me is not actually what was taken away from me. It's the time that yeah. has been. And I guess what you are saying earlier, also that kind of need to be a little bit more flexible and yeah. reactive, which I think we can all learn from whether you've got kids or not in thinking about how you work with parents, you yeah. know, not just mothers, of just being open, like understanding. Actually, yeah. like there is a level of flexibility we all need to have exactly. because kids impact everyone. It's made me a completely different person in terms of that. So I think about the, my employees very differently. Like mm. we, not that I was ever regimented, but it, we, we were like, we were, we worked in an office every day. 
you know, we'd all work together, we'd have to be together. I guess everyone yeah. was like this before the pandemic, but yeah. actually now it's made me realize like we can be really flexible. Like I might, you know, have to pick them up from nursery at three one day because they're not very well and then I'll work in the evenings and that's okay. And like, you know, my team members that don't have kids, that's okay for them to do that as well. Like if they want to go and do something like, and we're not busy, like that's absolutely fine. Catch up the time mm. another place. It does make you think about being more flexible and mm. working in a different way. And I wonder if as well, I mean, there's no way to test it, but it was perhaps not easier, but it helped that you were kind of starting PR Dispatch as a kind of full business once you had yeah. children. Yeah. Because I can imagine one of the difficulties is that if you've got an established business, it's hard not to have the expectation of, well, this must look the exact set, like yeah. same results, same time, same input, yeah. same role. Whereas actually you built the business around your capacity yeah. with kids. Yeah. I could, I very, yeah, I could design it the way I wanted it. So mm. like what day we're going to have workshops, what day we're going to have tours, when we're going to do our kind of promotion, key times of year, I'll make sure it's easy on me in terms of kind of, I mean, we're not even at half, the one and two, we're not even at half terms or summer holidays yet, but we will be. Yeah. So like everything that I'm doing now is thinking, right, at some point they're going to mm. be off and I you know, I probably want, I probably want to spend a few weeks with them. I'm trying to like design it mm. around that because what's the point of running a business if you can't make it work for you? Right. We may as well just get employed because the perks on that side are sometimes better. When make, I've been seeing, watching your series on like, you know, doing something every day that you wouldn't be able to do if you were employed. Yeah. And I love that. That is that is great. Yeah. Go to the gym. Go, go and do yoga. Make it work for you because mm. otherwise, yeah. What is the point? Completely. To round the motherhood conversation up, yep. off, don't know what the right word is. If you could go back and tell past Rosie like one thing, one tip, one encouragement, what do you wish you knew entering into the season of running a business with kids? It's all going to be fine. Stop worrying. I Honestly, it used to keep me off at night. I wasn't even like a big like, I have to have a family. It was kind of, yeah, okay. But I think probably that was what was scaring me. So because I was like it'll be okay because I was like oh I don't know how I'm gonna make this all work I wish I'd have just known it's all gonna be fine like you're mm. still gonna be able to do a podcast on a Thursday night in London you can still go on holiday you can still go you on can holiday still drink wine you can definitely you still you drink wine why for me like drinking wine's always a thing I'm scared of losing oh no don't worry <laughs> honestly in just, all seasons of life that I was even chatting to a friend recently who's helping me with like nutrition and just being like I have the diet of a six-year-old so like <laughs> I'm not healthy in any way um and my first thing I said was like, am I going to have to stop drinking rosé? No. And I was like, phew, as long as the right like. Did she say no? Did she say yes? No, you don't uh, have to drink rosé. It stays, but I've, do you know what I've started doing rosé, which I'm really embarrassed by? I have to measure it. No. Yeah. How many are you allowed? Uh, well, I can have as much as I want, but I just have to be honest with myself about how much I'm having. Oh, and you, you have to write it down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. But it works for me because I like, I don't understand moderation. Um, Does that mean you have to cut carbs? No, no, no. Okay, good. No, no, no. no. So you still have I'm like eating whatever I want. Okay, good. I'm just being a bit more self-aware. Okay, good. Like when I, I'm not at all a health fanatic and I'm not on a diet by any means, because to give you context on where I was before, I hadn't done a food shop in a year and a half. You're like me. Yeah. I don't cook. No. So I, well, I, learning to do now, I li <laughs> like if I'm not conscious, I live off of snacks. Yes. And fast food and delivery. Yes. So it's like... Most people do not need to go to the measures that I'm going to, but yeah. I am so bad with food naturally. I, I will literally eat either something from the local spa takeaway section. Yep. There's stunning. a cook section. I will literally work my way through that. Oh, love cook. Or just, well, the takeaways in Devon are slightly limited, but chips, beige, mm. 
Love beige. Love beige. That's why I'm never willing to give up my beige if it's my wine or my beige. Yeah. But it's both. Yes. That's great. I'm fine. Perfect. Well, nothing better than by yourself with rosé and some carbs that are beige. <laughs> like, bury me with that and I'm, I'm a happy woman. Stick I a fork in me, I'm done. <laughs> right, so to round us up. Yes. You have shared so honestly that like I've loved this episode I think I confidently say I think this is one of the most honest and inspiring Aww. episodes we've done so I nearly cried <laughs> I felt a tear coming why didn't you actually cry I know because that's going way to. better for the episode then I was like hold it together cry now <laughs> I need a video of you crying that's that point to now. promote it thank you um, now I'm already envisioning the title you know we've got legal battles motherhood and ending a business like yeah. you <laughs> the clickbait is incredible (laughs) I'm joking obviously aside from being very inspiring you are a PR expert so I thought we could end with some quick fire questions okay on PR because there'll be a lot of people listening myself included talking who are like I kind of get PR no clue where to start you know lots of listeners to this podcast are running their own businesses already feel overwhelmed by all the things to do let's shed some light on how they can help themselves let's do it so first of all never too basic a question what is PR? PR is getting your brand, product, you as a person yep. out there. It's free. It's earned media. Earned media. Yeah. People's typical way of looking at PR is like being in The Guardian, getting c- some press. That, it doesn't necessarily mean that. It could be a podcast. Mm-hmm. It could be a panel. It could be regional press. It could be online press. It could be you talking about your house move across country and then therefore getting a backlink to your business. Um, PR is any sort of kind of awareness of you, your brand, your product, what you do. Gotcha. So speaking of press around you moving house. Yes. (laughs) Is it true that all PR is good PR? Oh. The big question. I did get some press around me moving house and my husband absolutely was furious with it. It was in the Telegraph. It gave us a backlink to PR Dispatch and it was called uh, Pandemic Relocators. My point on that is, yes, it was great press because it gave us the backlink to our website, but they'd dug out our house price, which wasn't even that high, but they dug it out and published it and my husband went mad. All press is good press. As long as it doesn't ruin your relationship. Yeah, as long as it doesn't ruin your relationship. I actually have a similar example to that where I did a TikTok about red shirt man paying for my tampons which was like oh was, yes i remember that it was slightly fabricated and it was just stupid ticks so i just and it got like, picked up didn't it yeah so it was like the daily star the daily Mail, like all the shit ones basically <laughs> no good press and i remember thinking like all oh, pr is good pr like got it for the backlink and then red shirt man was like yeah but you know like it's not just you that gets the pod like you know there's there's a bit of backlash on me and i'm like it's fine it's worth it so i feel like we need like a um a club for yeah. like Partners who are used for press yeah, that just basically. need to like sit and cry. And, yeah, I don't know. If my husband said he won't be in anything again, so um. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the last. That'll one. be the last one on that one. Will do. <laughs> but I can attest to that. All PR is still good PR because it was a good backlink. And there my you website. Go. There you go. What if it's like really, like not just Daily Star being bad PR, but what about like awful PR of like about your business bad? <sighs> it's bad things. Do you know what? It doesn't happen a lot for a small business or kind of independent brand unless you're doing something really awful it's very rare that a press outlet would pick you up it's a bit egotistical really is it that we think we're kind of the center of the universe and like god i put <laughs> gosh if i just start trying pr they are gonna come after me they're it's gonna like, come after me right they're gonna write something really not. negative <laughs> yeah unless you kind of build a really big profile and then they want scoop on you it's yeah you know what they're not in it to ruin small businesses if people are sat listening and they are thinking i'm doing nothing in terms of like i'd say for me 
I am the laziest person when it comes to PR. Everything comes to me. I just sit back, wait for them to email me. That is the dream. Yeah, but Rosie, it doesn't result in a lot of (laughs) success. I'm not saying it's a good strategy. (laughs) Where do you even begin? Like what is one action that we can all take that is going to help us to generate PR? Get some good founder shots. Ooh. It would be my first thing. Photos. Photos. Images. And the big thing I always hear is landscape. So, yeah, landscape is great because it will sit on a website banner and then they can crop it into a square as well. It's rare that they'd use something in portrait, although I always think have it both ways if you can. Yeah. And you don't, I mean, a photographer's great, but you don't need a professional photographer. You can mm-hmm. do some on an iPhone. I had something published in Grazia that was done on an iPhone when I was pregnant. So yeah. I would just say, think about your where you're sitting. Here you go. This goes back to being in the grass or in the phone box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about where you are, think about what you're doing and make it relevant to your business. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a candle brand, make sure like you've got candles around you or yep. if you're a fashion brand, make sure you're wearing it. Or if you're a business consultant, make sure you look like you're doing something related to that. It sure. doesn't have to be that set up, but good imagery will take you far in press. And in terms of actually getting press, I'd imagine the big thing is pitching, right? Yeah. Actually speaking to journalists <laughs> and being like, here's what we could talk about. How can we, like, how do we make that easy? Because I feel like that feels intimidating, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, we can get into PR dispatch as well because the question's like, well, how do I know who to contact? What do I say in my email? It all feels very smoke and mirrors. I think if you're just starting out, a good place to start is journal requests. So yeah. on Twitter, journal requests or press requests is quite a good place to start. It's the where hashtags. The hashtags. It's where they're actively looking for people or opinions or comments for a particular feature that they're writing on in that moment. So it feels like less like you're like, hey, look at me. You're actually sending them something that they need. Mm. I would say, you know, you can sign up to something like PR Dispatch where you can access press contacts. But if you're starting small, maybe like identify five key publications that would be good for you. Maybe think niche. Don't kind of think, I need to be in The Guardian, I need to be in The Telegraph. Think, where are my audience? It could be a podcast. It could be you want to sit on a panel as an expert. Um, You know, it could be an interview in a local publication. That is a really good place to start. And just start with those five. Build a relationship with the journalists. If you want to follow them on LinkedIn, connect with them. See what they read. see See what they write about. And then send them something that you think is relevant for that feature. And obviously, as a great place to start and a resource... PR dispatch is um, here. I mean, I'm going to test my knowledge now. Here we go. Alice is going to pitch it. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Big test. <laughs> but genuinely, I know clients who are in it. I've heard amazing things about it. And I've seen all the results that you get for people. And I think it's such a valuable resource where, yeah, we don't need or want to be hiring agencies. We don't have the budget. It's not going to probably give us the return that we want. Actually, it's just give me some of the contacts, give me some of the resources so I actually know what to do. The basic stuff, how do I actually write a good email? What do I need to include? All of that fun stuff. And then that support and community as well to actually then help you do it. I feel like it's the magic formula. She knows the business so well. There she goes. She passed the (laughs) test. Uh, But genuinely not just saying it. I think you've built something really brilliant. So we will link PR Dispatch below. Thank you. So people can not only see what it is that we've been talking about, but also get involved. Yeah. Come and say hi. I'm on Instagram every other Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Live. Not after today. (laughs) We've made a plan. Yeah, we've made a plan. I won't be. She's going to be showing up. I'm on LinkedIn. (laughs) Yes. LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I know. I need to get more into it. I've I've been doing good this week. We'll do good next week as well. Yeah. Perfect. Stepping stones. Stepping stones. Baby steps. (laughs) I I feel like this has been such a roundabout conversation but in a really lovely way if you want to just share your feelings come on my podcast (laughs) fabulous who was it um fee grayson oh yeah she ran she can she did candid remember her saying that 
running a business is just like being in therapy, but no one's there to actually help you with the issues. Yeah. You're just realizing the issues. <laughs> That's um, so true. Probably what it's like to be on a podcast that as well. Very, that is, no, it's great. It's great. Yeah. You know, talk things out. Yeah, this is us. Where are you off to this evening? Back to my sisters. Nice. Glass of wine? Obviously a glass of wine. Stunning. It's a Thursday night. <laughs> it's a Thursday I mean, night. it's the end of the week It's a Thursday you. night and I'm in London. <gasps> what a treat. <laughs> Bye, kids. Have fun. <laughs> Might even get a delivery of something that's not possible, oh, kind of where I live. What a treat. So nice. You kind of get the best of both worlds now. Well, exactly. I feel like I live a double life and I'm yeah. quite enjoying it. You are the Hannah Montana of the people. I am world. the Hannah Montana. <laughs> Just felt the nice hair. I actually really like your hair. I was thinking oh, today, nice. it looks really nice. Normally I put a brush to it before a podcast, but. It's <sighs> great. Love it. <laughs> right, we will end here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And never know what to say at the end, so. Everyone go and have a glass of wine. Yeah. Unless it's the morning or you're sober and then don't. (laughs) Thank you very much. So that's it for another episode of Starting the Conversation. I really hope you enjoyed listening in. As the title of this podcast suggests, these episodes are only the start of the conversation. So I'd love for you to continue that conversation by sharing your thoughts. Have you got an experience or perspective that you'd like to share related to what we discussed today? I'd love for you to come and find me over on Instagram or LinkedIn. You can just search my name, Alice Benham, and let me know what you thought. And hey, if you enjoyed listening into this episode, why not share it on your socials or with a business friend. It means so much, not only because I love to see who's tuning in, I like to know where you're listening and what you're up to, but also just because it's one of the best ways for this podcast to reach new business owners and help even more people. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast because I'll be back in your ears next Tuesday with another episode. So until then, keep showing up, keep taking the messy action. I'm cheering you on. You have got this. Mm